Hi. Hi. So how are those pitches coming, Pete? So well. I'm feeling the muses within me. Well, it's perfect timing. Have you ever been to Hollywood? No. Would you like to go in an hour? Yes. Via telephone. Big Meeting by Pete Gamori and Adrian Hyatt. I've got us a big meeting. What do you mean a meeting? I've got us a meeting. What, to pitch our ideas? We've got to do it sometime. When's the big meeting? In an hour. <laughs> We're not ready. Did it, look, I think the only way to do this is just to go for it. Put our, our money where our mouths are. Oh. In our mouths. Put our money in our mouths. Put our money in our mouths. I'm not ready. Take all our clothes off and run into the meeting. Actually, this meeting's on the phone. Who's it with? His name is Oliver Park. He's a director. He's directed a very successful multi-award winning uh, short film called Vicious. And he's in Hollywood literally right now pitching actual films so so we've got one hour before we go live to hollywood basically sorry you've arranged this meeting for one hour from now yes so i thought between now and then let's spitball what would you have done if i wasn't at home do it anyway i'd do a silly voice and pretend to be you can i hear the silly voice hi i'm pete (laughs) (laughs) okay so okay right I'm I'm a little bit overwhelmed. We've got loads of pitch ideas. We've got loads of pitch ideas. How are we going to pick the ones which we want to take? Let's just throw some around. Let's 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 brainstorm. Pitch me a couple ideas. I'll pitch you a couple ideas. Yeah. We'll see which ones stick to the wall, and then whichever ones are the best, we'll pitch them to Oliver in an hour, less than an hour, an fifty-four hour? minutes. These have got to be good. Big meeting. This one is called Cherry Tuesday. Cherry trees in Washington, California, Oregon, Wisconsin, and Michigan start to fail and die out, just at the same time as a major shoe brand launches its latest poster campaign. Can Evan Rachel Wood prove that the specific colour used on the posters damages cherry DNA? Scientists agree with her that without cherries, society will collapse within one month. She has trouble finding a specific law to use against the shoe company and make them stop. Only by building a special jetpack designed by Dave Grohl can she access the necessary heights to paint over the colour with a specially adapted potato printing set and restore cherry harmony? At the last minute, Evil Shoe Man, played by the guy from Homes Under the Hammer, looms into view and repaints the signs using a more powerful but more polluting jetpack, and the film ends unresolved. Unresolved? Unresolved. Cherry Tuesday. How can you sit through two hours of that without having a resolution? Okay, so Makes cherries. It all the more tragic. I know. Cherries. Good. Cherry trees. Big in the popular imagination. Now, the jetpacks. Yes. So when Dave Dave Grohl, he is... is Jetpack designer. Yeah, is it like an Ant-Man where he's like, I've been trying to perfect this jetpack for 50 years. Exactly. And In his garage. Yeah, in his garage. And he's like, but I don't know what to use it for. I've never had a use for it, really. It's been a personal project. It's ruined my life. Is it ruined my life? My family left me. You must take it and do something meaningful with this. Because he's about to die anyway. Yeah. So he's like, this is my last chance to to make good. How's he dying? Just bleeding. Just bleeding? What? (laughs) He just stumbles into the pictures bleeding. I've been bleeding for 10 years. Just take this jetpack. I think that she... uh, she stumbled she side notes in all films where there's someone dying of like oh he's at the end of you know it's like because he's got cancer or he's got yeah. some generative no, like just happens to be bleeding hmm. I, I, think just injured, is... I just injured myself I recently. think there are cures for bleeding <laughs> no, but I just injured myself really badly and so here's here's all my secrets he is he has a very specific food intolerance <clears throat> which means the only food he's his body is capable of digesting 
is cherries. Cherries. Uh, therefore, he's dying as a result of this, and he tracks down Evan Rachel Wood and gives her the thing. But Evil Shoeman, who is played by the guy from Homes Under the Hammer, is working on a similar device. Yeah. You don't realise till the final scene. She's about to reap to paint over it with his special potato gun thing, and he <laughs> gun. Well, it's potato a potato gun. It's a potato. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the little. <laughs> Well, uh, it's a potato printing set, but it's in the style of a gun. Can I ask a question about... You can ask evil, one question. One question about evil shoe man. Yes. Is he a shoe? <laughs> Why not? Now, I was talking um, with my dear wife about shoe people yes. the other day. And I've always thought of the early 80s as quite a bleak time in British history. And... It was so bleak that the writers were looking around the room, just sort of like, just with no, their imagination has just been drained out of them by years of just horrendous, like, government and just social problems. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, what, what even is there in the world? I don't know, shoes? <laughs> How <laughs> about shoe people? Let's pretend the shoes are our friends. That's all they've got left oh, now. Oh, God. That's horrible. There's no whimsy. There's no space. There's no... Anyway, him being a shoe takes it to a whole new level. Evil shoe man. Sounds like a shoe to me. Ground wheat. Ready. Michelle Yeoh and Twiggy are retired MMA fighters. They train Paloma Faith in their special invented fighting style, which involves much use of headbutting and no hands. They tie Faith's hands behind her back to hone her skills before falling off a cliff on a windy day. Suddenly, the sergeant at arms is in peril, and there is an hour-long action sequence of Faith headbutting bad guys. An hour-long action? <laughs> yes. First of all, I think it's great. What's the story? The story is uh, Paloma Faith is a... Um, she goes to the g- same gym as Michelle Yeoh and Twiggy. Good story so far. And, you know, she's kind of... She's a little bit um, reserved. She's a little bit awkward. Mm. And there are these badass women just, like, you know, doing their sparring. Mm. And Paloma Faith is like, oh, wow, those guys are awesome. I wish I could be like them one day, but I can't because I'm not confident enough. And my boss always says I brew the espresso too weak. And so she's there kind of moping around. And then she's on the phone one day to like her boyfriend, who's like a dick. And he's being like, oh, you can just why do you always go to the gym? Like, you know, do, do something cool instead. And they hear this conversation and they're like, sup? And she's like, oh, and they say, you know what you need? is to be trained on our new fighting style. <laughs> That's what you need. <laughs> our new experimental, uh, invented fighting style. No, actually, I think what happens is she, see, she sees them fighting. And she's like, hey, what are you guys doing? It's, you know, I'm, I'm always so impressed by you. And she, they're like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like this. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to handle this. And she says, I can, I can hang. And then Michelle Yeoh just headbutts Twiggy as hard as she can. <laughs> and her face is like, fuck. <laughs> and she goes off. And she's like, well, no, 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 I can't handle that. But then she comes back the next day and they're like, we knew you'd come back. And then she says, right, let's practice. And they just start headbutting. <laughs> are the headbutts real? Are we going to do real headbutts for this? Are we going to are we going to send them on like a training camp to learn how to headbutt and take a headbutt effectively? No, because... It's better if it's real. No, 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 no. It's very badly done. So they basically go, huh, and they like obviously miss by miles. But then the other one just falls over. But like they wait, like it's like half a second too late. So it doesn't even look like there's been an impact at all. Yeah. And someone does like this. And they're like, whoa, big headbutt there. That's, that's a good ambition to aim for. Interesting style. Mm. So the film is called Headbutting. No, it's called Ground Wheat. Right. Why is it called Ground Wheat? Perhaps there's a scene. 
perhaps one of the training things like Pime A is <laughs> here is this I can table see going with this. <laughs> headbutt this into flour. <laughs> Only then will you understand. Will you be ready for the next stage? I actually, when you started, when I, when I asked that question, I was envisaging that it, the, 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 um, the film starts with the invention of headbutting in like the 1100s or something, maybe before that. Um, and it's, it was a way to grind wheat in like Egyptian times or whatever. <laughs> and then it fast forward to an East London headbutting studio. I would go and see that film. I would too. If it was free. Pitch me. Watermark. In the near future... Water is a precious commodity across the world Ooh. and is regulated heavily by the International Water Alliance. H2O cop and part-time horse brass designer Shane Ritchie, playing a character called Mark Ringle, spends his days violently prosecuting the law when even a drop of water is wasted and busts the aqua gangs who are illegally smuggling water in a variety of, in a variety of creative ways onto the dark streets of Dry City Prime. He has a long hose instead of a gun to suck up tiny droplets from a distance, and he is highly skilled at using it. One day he discovers that water is in fact plentiful and has been hoarded by the government to keep the populace in order, and he leads a one-man invasion of the Grand Palace to free the people and release the water by turning the Great Cogoid, which is protected by a Victor Meldrew lookalike, who is the last person alive of whom a photo exists holding a glass of real water and is therefore worshipped. <laughs> The greatest thing about it, I think, is the special hose. The special hose. Because you could do lots of very good um, CGI slow-mo bits where you just see, like, they're standing there having an argument and then suddenly just hope this drip just sort of goes past one of their faces. Hang on. Sweat. Sweat is not pure water. It is allowed by the uh, by Dry City Prime regulators. But could you not do a scene where, like, someone's crying or something and he uses the hose on their tears? <laughs> I think that to, to not get too dark, maybe they have rooms full of people who are forced to cry all day to collect their tears and turn, and turn them into water. That's what like the, the bad uh, crime bosses do in Dry City Prime. That is amazing. Cry rooms. That. That's so good. That's really good. Uh, everything, I love everything about that movie. Victor Muldrew lookalike. Happy with that? Yep. A Dry City. Mm, dry City Prime. How would you make it look very dry? No water. <laughs> <laughs> would you have like people going around going, oh, I'm so thirsty? Yeah, people sort of crawling along. Everyone's looking very thin. And there are bars, but they don't serve drinks. What do they serve? They serve crackers. <laughs> uh, how does everyone survive? They survive through government injections, oh, which they receive <laughs> once every six months, which is an injection of pure plasma. Plasma. <laughs> And the government fat cats are just like dripping in water the whole time. They're just like swimming around, like <laughs> yeah, they're underwater permanently. Yeah, you nice sort of fresh cut water. to that every so often. Just these they're guys, like laughing like, underwater. That's pretty good. No it's like, like a fish. It looks like a fish tank. <laughs> I'm speaking to you, citizens, from inside <laughs> fish tank, Peter. Uh, good. That's it. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Uh, the I like the um, um. I like the fact that he's like a like a like a water cop. I think that's really cool. Aqua cop. Aqua cop. I think that's really cool. Um, it's pretty cool. No, hang on. Is he an aqua cop? He's an H two O cop. Sorry, that's his H two O cop. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like that because then you can you can um, there can be like scenes of like he like busts like busts a gang. Yeah, aqua and gang. they're there like shooting like doing shots of water and stuff and like <laughs> yeah rubbing like water into their gums. And things. <laughs> yeah, water's a drug. I like that's really good actually. That's really good. Um. 
He's an H2O cop. I should have called this Hawaii 2 <laughs> <laughs> Um, If water was the main... Like, water was like money as well. Here, water is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you, can you get paid more by doing, by doing more jobs? Can you get paid more by doing so, more jobs? Do we, do we, ex- do we exchange yes. money? Do we, sorry. How much does this pay? It pays two drops uh, yeah. a day. And do they exchange water? Is it like in time where on his wrist it says how much money, time he's got? And they pay by like doing that, by touching their wrists. So if you're in a taxi and the guy says, that's two grams of water, please. And then you have to... Sp- you have to spit in his face. No, he has it like a little dispenser. You know where the card machine is in a taxi. Yeah. It's just like a little sort of um, one of those things that the dentist that you spit into and you spit. In and the, then the guy just goes, oh, "Sorry, mate. sorry, mate. It's not working today. It's not working today. He's got to spit in my mouth." Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go contactless. Uh, hey, here's, here's some change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be a bit too much. Don't Open wide. <laughs> uh, my mouth's really dry. Do you mind if I just sweat onto you? <laughs> Would like to just wipe my armpit? <sighs> it's not pure. Not very pure. That's it. Watermark. Hit movie. LinkedIn clusterfuck. <laughs> James Bond's latest adventure. LinkedIn is being gamed by the evil organisation Dolor and its algorithm breaks. James Bond has to infiltrate... Infiltrate... <laughs> James Bond has to infiltrate LinkedIn HQ before piloting the Concorde through an asteroid belt in a sweaty climax. Starring Kevin Keegan as Q, Bond is a Henson Studios puppet. (laughs) All of it makes sense, except the (laughs) asteroid field. Why? Because, well, it's just, it's slightly out of, it's not explained, really how he gets into why he's going to space at all so this is so you know in like old movies where they i, I have a feeling that they didn't they didn't not know whether things were real they were just like nobody cares nobody nobody really like the 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 the, the man coming to have a uh, root beer in a movie doesn't care where the damn asteroid belt is <laughs> and so basically you just say well there's just one next to earth so right. he gets out on concord he gets out into space and he, <laughs> he goes see, that, an that, that's belt. my that's my issue there well i, I maintain that people wouldn't care yeah, it didn't. What happens in like? Um, there must happen in some other Bond film where he goes into space in a plane. In a plane, <laughs> space in a plane. He goes to space in a plane. Space in a plane. He goes into space in a spaceship. Anyway, moving, let, moving on. Okay, yeah. Okay, so he's a puppet, uh, yeah. but people think he's a real person, or is it like he lives? He's in like in puppet land. Like, are, are there other puppets when he walks down the street, mm. or is, is he the only puppet? I think some people are puppets and some people are humans. It's like Avenue Q. Right, but it's not. It's just sort of normal to no everyone. One, yeah, no one talks about like it. Like the Muppets. Like the Muppets. A bit like the Muppets. Yeah. Or Sesame Street, perhaps. Hmm. Fine. Big departure for James Bond. They are looking for a new way to go, I'm sure, after all the recent stuff. So, yep. okay, so, so, okay. Um, and he breaks into Link- LinkedIn HQ via the asteroid belt. And no, 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 no. He, he first of all he goes to LinkedIn HQ, yeah. And like, like in um, um, uh, Net. The, no, no, no. Uh, Tomorrow never dies. Right. Where where he has to go into the Carver HQ to steal the flipping the little box with the thing in it, <laughs> fucking GPS yeah. scrambler, which is like <laughs> a big, meter long. <laughs> it is in a weird box. Yeah. 
And the whole movie, they spend talking about GPS and trying to explain it so that people will understand. And it's like, nobody, first of all, nobody knows what this fucking thing is. And secondly, no one cares. It, it's, it's so if, boring. As if it's a thing. <laughs> GPS. So anyway, he has to infiltrate looking today's you to find the algorithm scrambler. Right. So very similar to very Tomorrow similar. Never Dies. So just is, okay. And does anyone die via a printing press like they do in Tomorrow Never Dies? What would you die in in a LinkedIn HQ? Uh, a whole load of updates. A big pile of updates. Up, he's, he's gone into the update chamber. Oh, no. Updates he's, reaching he, critical level. He's not ready. Uh, he doesn't, doesn't have enough connections. <laughs> um, we will make some more connections for you then. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bond. <laughs> Fine. Um, what I like about it is that it's current. It is current. It's, and there's nothing more current than LinkedIn. So does it start off with James Bond considering a new line of work? So he's on LinkedIn, updating his skills, add assassination <laughs> and sex to profile. <laughs> I think actually he's Money Penny's doing it. Oh, well, she wants a new job. She's like, she's like on LinkedIn, he's like, Money Penny. Who is it? Oh, what are you doing, Money Penny? Who's that? <laughs> James Bond. That's James Bond. The puppet, the puppet James yeah. Bond, right. By the way, mm. what kind of a puppet is he? Because with the Muppet land, there are ones that, sort of made to look a bit like humans and then there are ones that are just pigs or whatever is he an animal or does he have eyes no what's the game show host called guy smiley guy smiley he's a bit like guy smiley a bit like guy smiley blonde like daniel craig no 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 no. classic classic bond uh bond was originally a puppet not many people know that uh yeah so classic bond and he's got like a very suave suit and he sort of goes ha ha in the mirror you know what i mean like his head opens all the way yeah back. like when he's like getting ready in the mirror like you know, james bond would normally sort of go hmm but because yeah. he's a muppet he goes ha ha <laughs> like spins around ha ha <laughs> and who's he voiced by Ooh, or is he voiced or is it the actual puppet talking silent james bond as a puppet no wouldn't work might work hasn't mm. been done well, we all know who my favourite James Bond is. Bob Holness. Yes. Bob Holness. Bob Holness. By using old episodes of Blockbusters, you can piece together anything you want Bob Holness to say. So you can do it from that. There we go. Hello, I am James Bond. <laughs> Where is LinkedIn HQ? Did he say LinkedIn? I bet you could make him say that. Next movie. Dr. Hammersnack. Al Pacino provides a service where he says difficult words for you in meetings. 18. Repeat the title, please. Dr. Hammersnack. That's his name. That's Al Pacino. Yeah. So he plays Dr. Hammersnack. Yes. No, 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 no. Al Pacino provides a service where he says difficult words for you in meetings. Right, fine. It is Al Pacino. Fine. So, for example, I've got a meeting tomorrow. Yep. Um, in the meeting, there might be a couple words which I'm feeling a bit nervous about. Yep. What am I going to do? There's no service. Aha. Well, you know what Al Pacino's doing nowadays? How does it work? Do I give Al Pacino uh, a copy of the transcript with a few words highlighted, and I read everything, and then I pause, and he stands up and goes, rah, rah, and yes. then I carry on. Yes. And and then he just leaves? No. Yeah, that's it? Or? He, 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 you, you kind of, you know, in, uh, in a meeting where everyone sort of starts coming into the room and it takes a while and it's fucking boring. Yes. And there's one guy comes in and Al Pacino's with him and they sit down at a table together and everyone's like, what? What's going on? What's Al Pacino? And, and then just the meeting, he doesn't say anything. The meeting just starts as normal. And then eventually he's like, so today we're going to talk about the um, quarterly. And Al Pacino stands up and says, 
fiduciary fiduciary that's a good one so uh, he doesn't you know he doesn't stand up actually Al Pacino, it's like a table read where Al Pacino is just looking with his glasses on at the table the whole time at his script uh, today we're going to talk about the fiduciary uh, requirements for our company over and he sort of looks up every cell phone over his glasses to be like did I do that right yep okay <laughs> those are all I think those are good ideas but I think we've got some even better ideas we could pitch in so what Hello. Hello, is this Oliver? It is, yes. Oliver, thank you so much for talking to us. We're in West London in a <laughs> tiny little dreary studio with no windows. What's outside your window? Oh, wow. Uh, outside my window right now is the where's the Hollywood sign. And what are you up to out there? Having done the, uh, the couple of short films that I've made, um, I'm now over here pitching some ideas to, um, to some people over here to hopefully make a... Um, to make a bigger film this is the guy this is the guy we've been this needing to talk to the whole time we're just going to pitch you a couple of our ideas as i say these are these are the, the cream of the crop just be honest you know we're okay we can take it uh just 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 tell us what you think and whichever one's sure. the best uh i think we can make this happen don't fuck this i'm not up. gonna fuck it up i'm, I'm not gonna, gonna fuck punch it up. you okay this one's called b as in b-e-e now we know okay. you're we know you're into horror so right. this one uh here's here's the pitch poet john cena is taught to grow roses by Maggie Smith in southern France to help him overcome writer's block. She is a murderer who trains her bees to kill writers. She hates writers because her son was a writer and was so engrossed in his writing one day that he fell off a cliff and died. We see four previous bee deaths in flashback sequences throughout the film, with stunt casting for each one, including Al Pacino and Daisy Ridley. After his house is descended upon in the middle of a hot summer night by a massive swarm of bees and he's cornered in a cupboard, John Cena must dress up like a bee in order to communicate with the bees and explain to the bees what's happening and convince the bees to turn on their evil mistress. B. Um, Initial thoughts? Initial thoughts? Um, why... Okay, I mean... It obviously is very well thought through. Thank you. Um, I think you've done a great job with that. That's, what, um, that's exactly I'm what just, we thought. From from a horror point of view, what makes it scary? Bees. Bees are terrifying. Who isn't afraid bees of bees? Are scary. Who, right, who, who, I see. Tell me one person who isn't afraid of bees. A swarm the, of bees, the, the bees descending on your the house. Bees in this are, the bees are, in this are trained to target specific people and specifically writers. So, specifically so anyone writers. else is safe. Because Maggie Smith right. hates writers. That's the motivation. That's the kind of the, the oh, emotional driver in the, in the film. Imagine being chased by a swarm of bees. You can't... You're trapped in a cupboard. The only way out is to dress up like a bee using the clothes that happen to be in the cupboard. John Cena as a bee in the finale. Who would not see that film? Well, why... Okay, why John Cena? John Cena is uh, the most likely to be... He looks a bit like a bee. He does look a bit like a bee. Do you, do you think John? Do you think we could get John Cena? How, how how likely do you think it is that he would become attached to a project like this? I think I think he'd need to he'd need to know the the journey his character goes on, and he'd need to he would need to know what the metaphors are for you know for his role and why he would do this specific project. What what's what makes this more than just a movie? What makes this more than just a, a, a scary movie about bees? He's a poet. Throughout the, throughout the film, there are these set-piece moments where he reads poetry to Maggie Smith. And so just when, you know, you have, obviously, I mean, as we know, every film has its kind of 
it's uh, it's action highs and then it's quiet moments and in the quiet moments it's john cena reading poetry to maggie smith which sounds very compelling to me <laughs> i think i think the way of selling it to to john well, we, we just like to call him John. He's a wordsmith, by the sure. way. Let's just be clear. John Cena is very much a an urban poet. He is an urban poet. I, I, I think, you know, it's got potential. There's something in it. We, we love that kind of feedback. I mean, we're, we're grown-ups. We like, we like to hear, you know, um, honest feedback. So, Do you think there are any challenges around staging an action sequence with swarms of bees, getting them to fly in the right direction, down staircases, through through holes in the wall, etc. Any challenges there, or do you think that's pretty straightforward? Uh, no, I know. I think it will be, you know, near on impossible to uh, to do that. But, you know, if you, if you get the budget you're after, if you get, you know, 200 million, then you might be able to spend, you know, most of that on finding a way to train bees. I think, I think I'll pass on that one, if that's okay. Um... All right, next, uh, next pitch, if you don't mind. Uh, this one's called Pre-Predator 1. Predator in medieval times. Okay. Uh, that, that's, that's, the, that, that's essentially it. Um, but in, right. a, in a, a little bit more detail, though, in a forest in England, Ray Winston is King Richard, Clive Owen is the victorious knight. They finally trick the Predator into a jousting competition and wound the Predator. Then they drop a portcullis on him. It's the best medieval film ever. And it's the first in a trilogy of time zones. Uh, also the Old West and year 5,800 Paris. Okay. Slam dunk. Uh, well, first of, all, first of all, I would say that um, there is already a Predator set in the medieval ages. It's called Predator Dark Ages. Maybe Paris is more interesting because it's a different setting. They could have a fight in more interesting locations than just a forest, which happens in the, the original one anyway. I, I, interesting. So, are you suggesting perhaps we reverse the order of the trilogy? So we end with the no, forest maybe. one. Maybe you do a Star Wars. Bec- oh, because by the by the time we got to the forest one, it'll be like ten or twelve years from now. In by which time people will have forgotten a little bit about the film that we didn't know existed that you just told us about. Exactly. Because actually, you know, I mean, there are no new ideas, are there? Really. Um, I mean, sometimes there are very, 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 very similar ideas to ones you've accidentally written. But um, but anyway, that's, that's a good note. Good note that that exactly the same film already exists. Uh, maybe maybe we'll... well not with the jousting. Not with the. Jousting. Oh, there's no jousting. No, really oh. Interesting ideas with the jousting. That's different to the um, to the movie that already exists. Oh, okay. And the way you've gone with it. Well, how about this? How about this? Um, we're doing this on the fly. We like to be creative on the fly. Why don't we combine the medieval one and the future Paris one? Split screen. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> Let's go with that. So, I was going to say you could do future jousting with laser jousts, uh, oh. laser lances yes. through the streets of Paris, but maybe a split screen element as well. I think split screen all the way through. In okay. fact, in fact, why not three split screens, as in three screens simultaneously playing completely different films? All dialogue overlaps. It's an assault on the senses, but it is the single most exhausting film ever made. Three predators in one. You have to pay £12 rather than £10 for your cinema ticket, but it's worth it. Has that been done? I have no idea. Do you, do you have something else? What else have you got? Pete, did you have another one that you wanted to go for? Yes. Um, this one's called the Omega Mechanism. Okay. There is a train that goes to hell. Passengers can meet damned loved ones and plead for clemency. One such passenger is Mrs. Sue Nucleus whose husband was an awful cheat at whist. 
She succeeds, but a lesser demon hatches a plot to trap the train passengers, and Mrs. N must use all of her charm and smarts to get to the driver's cab and return everyone to the surface. Luckily, her grandmother's locket turns out to be the Omega Mechanism. What is the Omega Mechanism? Well, it's a kind of clockwork crystal resonance device which dissipates demonic energy. And she never knew. She was given the locket on her uh, on her grandmother's deathbed from her grandmother's deathbed. Correct. I think. I think. I, I like. I love the idea of the train to hell, and it's it, I, it's similar to several movies that have touched on those ideas in the past. And I think. I think it's a really good idea, but I'm not sure. Um, People are given this opportunity by the uh, Machiavellian devilry. And they say, that sounds great. I'll go and see my loved ones. And then actually, it's a really awful experience, unless... And they get trapped there. Well, basically, what happens in this film is that you you are given... It's kind of like in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where you are given a chance to... um, Cheat death. To cheat death, and to, but but through a kind of legal means, unless you happen to have the Omega Mechanism. Which she just happened to have. Which she just happened to have. I mean, her her ancestors, you know, realised this was going to happen. I think I understand what you're going for, but... Uh, not really sure about that one. Um, here's another pitch for you. This one's called Giantess. Jolie Richardson is an assistant researcher studying sand in the Kalahari Desert when she realises that the particles she has discovered could not have come from this century. When she raises the question with her superiors, she is suddenly relocated. She quits in disgust, although brother, played by John Bon Jovi, tries to persuade her not to because he gets a discount on his energy drinks if she carries on working there. She spends months searching through microfilm at her local library to try and find out what's going on. Using the internet, she manages to figure out that the government are keeping the secret of real giants from us in order to make more money from the 5G rollout. The final sequence, filmed in one shot and one take and entirely improvised, sees our heroine making friends with Norab the giant and helping him to integrate into the human world. A new era has begun. Lots of sequel potential. That's Giantess. Right. And again, are you able to are you able to sum the film up in one line? Giants are real. Right. And where have these giants been all this time? Under the uh, under the sand in the desert. Hmm. <clears throat> I like the again. I like the thought process you've gone through. I like the fact that you've actually, you know, gone into why Bon Jovi wants her to continue working there. The yep. energy drinks, discount great, his energy drinks. Thank you, thank you. It's a great B story. Um, right. And they all look and like John C. Riley. What do the giants want? The giants want to eat all of the world's sand because that's how they stay alive. And then they, but then that's. So how do they hibernate? They, sh- they should have just stayed under the sand, though, then, shouldn't they? Interesting Why come question. Out at all? In- interesting question. That's revealed in the sequel. Ooh. I think let's call that one a maybe. And um, I think I think all of all of the ideas that you've you've spoken about, I think they're they're all very complicated. Now that's really interesting advice. We've got some very simple ones that we can pitch you very quickly. If that's if that 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 might be that might be more. Uh... I, I think we're going to do just a, cu- a couple more quick ones. A couple yeah. more quick ones. Just just, just get, and and we don't need to go into sure. detail on these, but just you just your your, your basic reaction. Your, yeah, your exactly. Gut reaction to a couple of these quick ideas. All right, here we go. Sure. Uh, the grey t-shirt shop. Michael Douglas's teeth all fall out, and he sues himself. Released straight to Instagram. 
Why does he sue himself? Because his teeth fell out. So he's he's very upset about this, and he needs he needs to sue someone. Why? Uh, because uh, teeth damage. So he's looking for somebody to compensate him for loss of teeth. And the only, I mean, obviously, no one else was there. It just fell out randomly one day while he was watching TV. So, is it possible to sue oneself? Isn't that a conflict conflict of interest? I think this is exactly. You're, I mean, you're you're literally writing the dialogue right now for the for the uh, defence attorney. That, that, that's his opening statement. Exactly. There might be an interesting. This is all a dream. Um, twist to be had in that idea. Interesting. Or I, maybe he he could have a dream where he puts his teeth all back in, and then he wakes up from it and he's got no teeth, and he's like, ah. Let's go. Let's do another one because I can see. I can see you're not quite. You're not quite convinced by that. One. That's okay. Have you got a. You got a short one. You want to do? This one's called Pedal. It's very short. Uh, a woman. A woman realizes if she stops pedaling her bicycle, she'll never see her son again. Dame Judy Dench plays the voice in Kim Basinger's head. All point of view. If it's all point of view, there are no actors. We never see the actor. No, you just see the sort of. You see their hands on the bicycle. On the bicycle. Uh, it's country road. They don't pass anyone else. It's a very quiet morning. Uh, two hours, all points of view. And how do we know the voice of Judy Dench is in the head of the actress and not that the actress is speaking because we don't see the face? It's taken on... <laughs> That's a really good point. <laughs> it's taken on trust. Um, as an alternative slash backup, we just print the words... The the voice is in her head on a very small piece of paper and leave one piece of paper on every seat in the cinema. I see. that. Yeah, that would also work. Okay. Um, this is a sequel to the classic movie Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House. So this is called Mr. Blandings Builds His Dream House 2. Sure. The theme tune to M.A.S.H. is played on repeat as Christopher Walken and Nish Kumar do capoeira. Why? Well, you know, I think what it is is that when when you first see them doing capoeira to to the theme tune to Mash, you think to yourself, well, there there must be a point to this. And then after about, it's kind of like this kind of looping thing. After about five minutes, you go, hang on, is they playing a joke on me? And then after another five minutes, you go, well, they can't be playing a joke on me. This has gone on far too long. And after another five minutes, you start to panic and think there must be there must be something going on here. And after another five minutes, you're you're quite fraught because you've just been watching the same thing for 25 minutes by now and by the end of half an hour you're you're at your wits end and it's actually you know your journey as a viewer is the story itself wow high concept i I know this is it's 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 kind of like the um the youtube videos that it's you know 10 hours of this or you know 100 hours of of this where you can just see yan cat on repeat for hour after hour after hour exactly except you pay 15 pounds to see it in the cinema i see and then do you think anyone would ever want to see it more than once? Or or once? Well, how, let me ask you a question. How many times have you watched Nyancat? Uh, once. Oh. <laughs> okay, I don't think I've thought that one through then. Let's move on. We've saved the best till last. Joburg Sofrito. Adeline is a shy line cook in a restaurant that only seats solo guests, which becomes famous as a meeting place for the lonely. In a delightful love story, she falls for one of the guests, a man stuck in a loveless marriage who is too nervous to file for divorce. The two bring each other up in a feel-good romance. Adeline's special move is a devastating power slide kick, which she uses irresponsibly throughout. Is that that the end? Yes, that's the end. Okay, again, I think 
I think a, lo- a lot of your ideas are um, are along a similar formula with um, the first half of the idea, I think, works really well as a standalone idea, which doesn't need the, the kind of the final twist that you're that you're dropping in. The slide kick, I think... Um... So you don't see the slide kick on the last minute, actually, and then she does this incredible, you know, Dragon Ball-style power move right at the end. They don't, we don't mention it throughout the rest of the movie at all. Do you not think that might might distract the audience from the kind of, you know, the, the relationship, which is, you know, the whole point of the story? It might, uh, it might sort of uh, act as a kind of a, a very pointed full stop on the relationship, which is that actually loneliness, through loneliness, you gain strength. Right. Well, I, what, what I of... think that's the one you go with. That's, well, the one. that's the one. That's the one. Does it need any any additional special effects? I'm just thinking about the kitchen sequences. Could we? Could we? Th- I just feel like it needs a bit more oomph. Some uh, sort of massive kitchen fire or, ga- or gas. I don't know. Do I don't think? think you need. I don't think you need to worry. To, you you you've mentioned special effects quite a few times, and I don't think you need to worry about special effects too much because if fire. you're trying to get an audience, if you're trying to get an audience to respond to something. It's not so much about, you know, making the action bigger. You just raise the stakes instead. So make the stakes of the characters or the stakes of the stories bigger rather than just adding a fire or adding a special effect because it's, it's I unnecessary. See. I see. So bigger stakes in the restaurant. Bigger stakes in the restaurant. That makes sense. And well, some sort of teleportation. Mm. Is that what you're saying? Um, I'm saying do the exact opposite of that. You're really helping here, Oliver, actually. This is amazing because we're building on this idea and making it more than it ever was It was before. a bit too simple. Before. You can definitely do that. You can definitely do that. But again, keeping things simple and usually the best ideas are the simplest. Hmm, interesting. So well, that, that's a lot to think about. Would it, uh, g- Given that your favourite out of all of them was the romantic movie with the power slide kick... Uh, would it be helpful if we um, sent you some concept art that we've done and also some animatics? So the animatics, it's probably about four or five terabytes. So uh, would you, where should we should we meet you to give you... Should we fly out to Hollywood and meet you with a hard drive? Maybe maybe going forward, what we can do is, um, like I said, you've got my number and you've got my, my agent details and everything else. Right. What you can do is you can put a collection of these ideas together okay. and send them in an email or something like that. Because unfortunately, right. I, have to, I have to go. Well, why don't you just, if you just, I, like I said, I, Space unfortunately, karate. I really do have to go. But um, yeah, uh, uh, I can, but yeah, send me them all in an email. Clowns and gowns. What I'll do is I'll pick my favourite one and then we can go through got, them again. We've got vampire pumpkins. But I have to, um, Are you still there? That was amazing. It's fucking amazing. I'm so happy with how that went. I can't believe it. It's going to happen. We were so nervous like an hour ago, but it was brilliant. What do we need to do? We need to send him... Um, we need to send Hard him... Hard drive. Art, art boards. Art boards, animatics, mood mood boards, textures. Smell. Smell is scent. important. Let's get some bottles. Yes. Put some scent in it. Now we need, uh, <clears throat> I think, uh, pieces of fabric to yep. explain our thinking. Classy leatherette... Um, uh, pouch. Pouch. Classy leather wallet to send the ideas in. Classy leather wallet. Uh, his proximity to the Hollywood sign makes me think that he's probably a serious guy. By the way, if we were making that up, what a stupid thing to make <laughs> up that would be. Like, what, what makes it sound like he's really serious? He's really near the Hollywood sign. <laughs> you keep saying send. I think we need to deliver it in person. By hand. By hand. One hand each. Skyscanner. Tickets to Hollywood. Do it. Oh, it's a bit more than we thought. <laughs> Shh.
chair, big meeting with your friends. It's fun and cool. No, sorry, no. You can't even pay me to say that. 